KMXZ HD4 Tucson, an Arizona Lotus Core radio station. The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Good morning and welcome to the Simmons Car Care Talk Show. This is Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. Back for a second week in a row. Jerry's taking a little break, taking some time off on vacation. So it's just me and Jim from Frontier Towing. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, everybody out there. Uh, remember, it's I'm on the radio, so it's a super safe Saturday. That means slow down, move over, use your turn signals, watch for the bicyclists. If you're working on your cars, oh, don't drink and drive, don't text and drive. Please don't text and drive. Uh, if you're working on your cars, <laughs> use jack stands, <laughs> safety glasses, uh, <laughs> disconnect your batteries, and if you got uh, long clothes, make sure you've got them rolled up or out of the way if you're working on a running engine. So There you go. You don't want to get tangled up in the belt and everything else, huh? Yeah, that's a bad day. <laughs> that's a really bad yep. day. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can appreciate that, Brian. Get get Something gets caught, and you're thinking, wow, that was that was a bad move. No, I'd rather not do that. I, I've been fortunate enough not to ever have that happen. But uh have seen it. Have seen people, you know, not trying you know, not paying attention. That's the biggest thing. And it gets you in trouble, you know. It's like with your automobiles, you know, are you listening to your car? I mean the th- when it's running, it it's telling you something. Is it vibrating? Is it, you know, driving down the road and shaking when you brake, you know, push the brake pedal? Does the car pulsate? Does it shake the steering wheel? Is it making some noise that it shouldn't be? You know, pay attention to what's going on when you're driving your car. Maybe turn the radio down some and listen, because I can assure you that if something is going wrong, there's going to be some noise or something going on that's out of the ordinary. You agree with that, Jim? Absolutely, absolutely. If uh, if uh, if if you're if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're not paying attention while you're driving, you're going to have a serious problem. And if you're not listening to your vehicle, you're going to have serious problems. And it, it'll talk. It talks to you every single day. It tells you what's going wrong. I know it doesn't. It may text you. Today's cars probably text you. I, I don't know. I don't have a new car, Brian. So um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I have an old one. So, um, but yeah, if, if if it's if it's making all kinds of uh, shuddering, making all kinds of uh, wobbling noises, if it's if it's driving pulling one way, if it's pulling off to the left or to the right, it could be something as simple as a low tire. You know, folks, that's a reason. Could to be get out or a tire separating. Or you know, I, I've seen. Yeah, uh, you know, it, separating means it's no longer round, and it can cause you to pull one way or the other. You know, uh, another thing could be, you know, maybe you banged into a curb or a great big pothole. You know, now possibly your alignment is off. If that's the case, you know, your steering wheel could be off-center. 
you know it's not horizontal um you know your car could be drifting to the right to the left you need to pay attention to these things you know uh rolling resistance going down the road uh, some just a simple alignment can cost you fuel mileage you know if you're having to steer the vehicle constantly to go down the road your rolling resistance has increased and it's going to take your fuel mileage away so there's there's lots of things that fall into play to get you the, you know your optimum fuel mileage you know that's a great point Brian you 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 know you talk about that um the fuel mileage cuz fuel is you know oh so cheap these days that we can just you know we can afford to put tons of it in and just throw it everywhere you know at 350 a gallon lease us down a little bit but it it you know folks when you're driving in and a simple alignment issue um it it doesn't take very much to throw a vehicle out of alignment if there you know there's simple things like you know curb hits pothole hits and pothole hits will throw you out of alignment and then there's worn components worn components uh will will cause an alignment issue they they, uh, the littlest movement in the front end will cause tires to get out of tow. The camber and caster will be off. And you may or may not be able to see it by the eye. Probably not, especially if you don't know what you're looking for. There are telltale signs. Tires start to, tires will tell you. They'll, they'll start to have feathered edges. They'll be wearing on one side or the other. Um, that looks like a, some of the, the tread looks like a sawtooth. You know, it's got this rub mark on it, uh, and so the, it'll it'll tell you the, all these little things that are going on. But if you're not paying attention, you'll just wear them out. And you know, it can be fifty thousand miles. It can be ten thousand miles. Uh, last time I checked, tires pretty expensive. And they used to be, you know, they are. The and, <laughs> yeah, I remember the days when Jack Furrier would put on the advertisement, you know, fifty nine dollars for tires. Yeah, those tires are now $150 or $200. So, well, you know, yesterday I had to buy a spare tire for my little little trailer. And I'm going, okay, well, this should be around 75 bucks. I was guessing wrong. $99 for a 15-inch trailer tire. 99 bucks. Are you kidding me? I couldn't believe it. Anyway, and a, I have and a trailer it. tire, a trailer tire is different than a car tire and a truck tire. It has a different comp- composition and it's a different material. So yay, that's a reason to pay more. As you know, you can't put the trailer tire on your car and vice versa. So and and you want to talk about something that goes bad? I we 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 hauled a guy's trailer yesterday. He he had it three months and the frame broke in half. Three months, little two-axle trailer, and the frame broke in half. And you know what? He didn't even know it until the tire blew out. The tire got cocked because the frame broke. The the axle shifted. The spring hanger broke off. The axle shifted. The tire was, you know, dragging down the road sideways, and it blew out. And he's like, oh, I have a flat. And he gets underneath to look at it, and the frame is broken in half on a three-month-old trailer. Now, you can imagine this guy was very unhappy with his trailer manufacturer so it's the little things like that if you're not paying attention that 
that could have been a serious problem. Did he hit something with it? I don't know. He says he didn't. It just looked like it was just a, a poor design, a poor weldment, and it just, you know, it just broke. But can you believe that, Brian? A three-month-old trailer and the frame broke in half? Is that just, is well, that just crazy? It, it, it's the new norm today. You know, where's the quality control for anything? Do you know what I'm saying? It, it's just, it's amazing. And, you know, speaking of a little two-axle tra- or single-axle trailer, uh, I just happened last weekend to buy mine. And uh, I'm going, well, used trailer, it's about 10 years old, has new tires on it. That's all right. The bed isn't too bad. Got LED lights on it. Great. Yeah. The guy says, give me 600 bucks." I says, are you kidding me? I says, well, yeah. I'll do that. No problem. And then after I bought it, I got to thinking, that sure seems cheap. So I started looking online. These little single-axle trailers are bringing close to $2,000 today. If you go buy it new, I was just totally amazed. Well, if if, if you're buying trailers, just make sure that the VIN number's on the trailer. If you have to, t- I've, I, folks, I can't tell you how many we pick up from motor vehicle that are stolen. So I'll sideline this here a little, real quick. So if you're buying a trailer or a vehicle in general, and it looks too good to be true, double check. A a little trailer with the VIN number scratched off is going to be a problem. They're going to if you have no VIN on your trailer, no visible VIN. And you take it to MVD to get an inspection so you can get a license plate. They're going to take it from you. So just be aware that if you if you think it's a really good deal, oh, don't worry about that VIN. It doesn't matter. It's a trailer. Yeah, it really does. And if, if you don't have something in hand that says that you can match the title to this VIN, um, you're, they will take it from you. Because in any trailer in the state of Arizona, motor vehicle considers to be a contraband vehicle. That means... They know they won't allow it on the road if it does not have a public VIN on it. And, folks, I can tell you for a fact that VIN numbers on trailers go away all the time. They fade off. They get scratched off. They rub off. You can't read them. Uh, and I see them all the time. And when they bring them to us, so if this is their procedure, get this one. It's a trailer. How hard could it be, right? No, no, no. It's going to be crushed because we do not want them in our system anymore. It's contraband. It's considered illegal. Here's a certificate to crush. Send it to the crusher and have it destroyed. And by the way, send us photos that it was shredded at the time. Go figure that one. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's really crazy. And I look at them and go, but it's just a trailer. Nope, don't care. It's a vehicle in our system, and it's going to get shredded. So... So not only do you lose your money, there's nobody gets the trailer back either. They go away. So um, yep. it happens every day. Yep. Speaking of trailers, you know, it, it, what about the maintenance on a trailer? You know, you, it just sits there. It does nothing. Uh, maybe use it once a year. Um, you know, what condition are the wheel bearings in? When was the last time you repacked the wheel bearings? On your trailer. When was the last time, if you have trailer brakes on it, when was the last time you checked them? Do they actually work? You know, these are things that you need to do and check 
before you take off and go on that long weekend of the lake or take off and go hunting with your horse trailer and your horses and different things. You need to be checking these things. You know, the wheel bearings, the lights, the brakes, does everything work? And is it ready to go? Or, on the other hand, would you enjoy being broke down on the side of the road with uh, smoked wheel bearings or brakes that don't work and you have an accident? You know, these are things to think about. You have to be checking these things before you take off and go. The uh, You know, that's excellent, excellent, Brian, because I will tell you that um, when you're checking your trailers, if, it's, if it has electric brakes, it has to have a breakaway system on it. And what that means is that if the trailer becomes disconnected from your tow vehicle, um, the when it separates, there's a, a lanyard that pulls the brakes on, right? It's a little, it's a little pin or a little pulls a switch on, and there's a little battery in your trailer that actuates the brakes. So the brake, so the trailer doesn't keep rolling around the road, right? If if that system doesn't work, that's a ticketable offense. Oh, well, not only a ticketable offense, they will not let you just continue on. You will have it towed. No, no, you won't have it towed by another vehicle. You will actually have all four vehicles lifted off the ground. It goes on a flatbed. And all four vehicles, all four wheels or six wheels or two wheels, whatever's on the program, will get lifted off the ground, and that vehicle will not ride on the roadway. And I've done bunches of them, uh, roadside checks. The guy, the law enforcement will walk up there, and they'll pull, they'll pull the... Uh, Brake wave wire off and tell you to pull forward and the brakes don't come on, it's done. And by the same token, just like Brian mentioned, have you checked your have you checked your trailer brakes? Because the brake wave system might work, but the brakes don't work. You're still not going anywhere. Brake breakaway brakes and functioning trailer brakes are a requirement if you're towing. Now, I I don't. People drive their trailers around all the time. Like you said, Brian, they sit a year, maybe use it once a year, maybe use it every day. But, yeah, if you don't check those things, they wear out just like normal normal uh, brakes on your car. And, you know, and they're, and they're fun. You tear, tear those puppies apart. You pull the hubs, you know, get pull the brake shoes off. Um, if, if you're going to pull the hubs, it gives you a great time to check and repack the bearings. But yeah, pull the brakes off. Make sure that the that they're working. Make sure the electric magnet is working. It's got it's got the proper voltage, and the voltage actually works on the on the plate where it attach on the drum where it attaches to to, to pull the to pull the brakes on. All that's really really critical. What if you've had one that hung up, Brian? What do you do if if one of them's hung up and 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 blown apart? Now you're in a real problem. Well, then you've got. You got a real problem, you know. I mean, the brake shoes are probably completely wore out. The drums all tore up. The magnets all tore up. It, it's just, it's a huge problem, you know. So you need to get the thing inspected. That's all there is to it before you take off. But I'm kind of curious. So you've got a 32 foot toy hauler, and the breakaway deal doesn't work on it. It's a fifth wheel. How do you get that on your flatbed? How do you get off and tow it off? Yeah, we bring out a we bring out a semi truck with a with a fifty three foot trailer, and we put it up on there. We'll put the entire assembly, your pickup truck and your trailer, up on our trailer and tow it away. 
That's crazy. It's crazy. Done it a bunch of times. So, and it's tall. So it's not like you can just go everywhere with it. You have to be really, really careful with it. But, yeah, so. The, yeah, I mean, the, the fifth wheel like that's almost 12 and a half feet tall sitting correct. on the ground. You are correct. That's exactly And now you put it on your trailer that's three feet off the ground. Yeah. That's right. Look look and, out and, for the bridges, huh? <laughs> oh well, it's a route. It's it's routing. It's it's about knowing, just like you, Brad. It's about knowing how to do your job. Yeah, no, you don't just go riding down through downtown with one. Um, it's it's complicated, and unless unless you can repair it on site to the satisfaction of the law enforcement, it's getting towed away. I've towed a bunch of them away. I've towed a bunch of them away with. So fifth wheels have this. Used to have. I think they still do. Have this real annoying habit of. They don't have greasable bearings. They have a sealed bearing. That goes on the hub, and so the, it's just a sealed dual roller bearing, no service whatsoever. Sealed on each end, pre- push it on, pre- press it on the on the uh, on the on the spindle, slide your brakes over. Right, um, they go out, wheel falls off. And there you are. Now you're sitting on three wheels instead of four. That's a problem. That's a problem. Wheels falling off. Is a problem. I, I've seen it too much. You know, you go driving down the road and you've got this old pickup truck sitting on the side of the road and one of the front tires is sitting there at about a 45 degree angle. Well, something's wrong with that. You know, busted ball joint. Uh, you know, it, it's insane. You know, it's crazy. Speaking of ball joints and different uh, suspension parts, you know, I get a lot of people that'll come in and say, hey, you know, my tires are not wearing correctly, and, you know, I need an alignment. That's all I need. You know, my vehicle's 15 years old, and all I need is an alignment. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you probably need an alignment, but let's get this thing up on the rack, and I call shake it down, see what's going on. You know, what is worn, what is not. Because, look... If you got worn out ball joints or control arm bushings that are worn, I can align your vehicle, sure. But if these components are not all tight, it'll be out of alignment by the time you leave the parking lot because all these things are moving around. They're not stationary. So you need to make sure the ball joints are tight, control arm bushings are tight, Tie rod ends, inners, outers, you know, the rack bushings, if it has a steering rack and pinion, there's bushings that hold it into place. If that's all moving around, you know, your toe's going to be constantly changing when you go down the road. And, you know, it just needs to be in good condition. So, yeah, you may need an alignment, but you need to make sure all these other components are in good condition. And if they're not, they're going to need to be replaced. So, you know, heads up, if you're making excuses for the way your vehicle drives down the road, the steering wheel isn't horizontal, it's drifting to the right, it's drifting to the left, you constantly have to steer it. Yeah, you may need alignment, but you may need some of the other parts of the front end replaced. That's all there is to it. And and when you're working on the front end like that, uh, when you're doing the inspections, sometimes what I've ran across is that you know you, everything's perfect? It's tight, but it's well, it's still out of alignment. Now you got a bent part. 
we 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 had a guy the other day had a little uh, it was like a 2003 or four uh, Wrangler, and and he was complaining that the wheel was pulling, and you could stand back and look at it, and one wheel was tipped in farther than the other. Okay, so the camber was way in, and he's thinking that you know he needed a simple alignment. Well, it's a Jeep, and solid front axle. Likelihood is. Um, not just it's not just parts. It's not well. It's not just like ball joints. Now it's probably an axle. The axle could be bent. Now you're in serious problems. Well, not serious problems. I should say serious expense because now you're doing an axle, axle two, to get to repair it. So sometimes just replacing the once you get into the diagnostics, like you know, Brian, you as soon as you start diagnosing, it's it's like oh, by the way, it's here. And then, oh, wait, here's another part. And, oh, wait, here's the hard part. Oh, wait, did you notice the frame mount is not, is not secure? Or the frame mount is, is wallered out because it's been loose for eons. So part of, part of the checkout when you're doing it is making sure that all, those, all the supporting structure is in good condition. Because I'm sure you've seen it, Brian. You get to a car and you're looking at it, and the front end's about ready to fall out. And you couldn't, if you replaced all the parts, it still wouldn't work because it's so wore out. Yep, I've seen it many, many, many times. Another thing to take in consideration is the ride height of the vehicle. You know, are the coil springs, leaf springs, in good condition on the front end of this vehicle and the rear? You know, something to think about. You know, if you've got struts, it's also got a coil spring on that. You know, uh, the cool thing today is is when you're replacing struts, you know, in, back in the day, you just replace the strut and reuse the coil spring and reuse the strut top, but you still had problems because, the, you know, the spring had been bouncing up and down all for 100,000 miles, and it's no longer as tall as it used to be. What happened? Your ride height has changed. Your camber has changed because the, the angles in the front end of everything is is all off, and you can't adjust it properly if the ride height's off. So the cool thing today is when you buy a strut, you can buy a complete strut with a new coil spring and a new strut top. Guess what? The ride height is where it's supposed to be, and the clunk noise is probably going to go away because the old strut top was completely wore out. So, you know, cool things that we can buy today for your vehicle to get it back to the way it was when it was new. You know, that's a, that strut top is is a really elusive uh, noise. You can hear it banging around, and you think it's everywhere else, but the top of the strut, you know. And that, that really, that's the, the entire assembly spring strut assembly is, is actually a really good deal. It's a really a really nice program. Granted, you have to you know unbolt it and put it all back together and you know get get your complete alignment after you're done. But uh, boy, I've seen a hundred of them or more that where that 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 elusive noise clunk in the front and you you, you chase it all over thinking it's every other place, but it's like it echoes into the into the abyss. You're trying to you're trying to chase it down. And you realize, hey, the strut is bad, <laughs> even though it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bad, oh, but it is Yeah, I've bad. seen them so bad where you go and you raise the car up in the air and the wheels stay on the ground. Oh. 
where the strut top is completely destroyed, the rubber is gone, and you start to raise the car up, and the wheels aren't going up with the car. They're staying on the ground. I've seen it. Crazy. Wow. That is crazy. Well, remember, uh, you can call in to 719-1490, 719-1490. This is live call-in talk show. Give us a call. This is Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. And along with me riding shotgun today is Jim from Frontier Towing. You know, a lot of other things I've seen here, you know, is uh, emission failures. You know, your check engine light's on. You go to emissions, it's going to fail. If you have any codes in there, it's going to fail. That's all there is to it. Uh, Another thing is if you did have codes in there, you thought, well, I'm just going to go disconnect that battery cable and clear all the codes, and I'm going to go down to emissions and pass. Wrong. Your 96 and newer vehicles have to complete a drive cycle before they can go through emissions. 96 to 2000, you can have all the monitors, meaning you have oxygen sensor monitors, oxygen sensor heater monitors, you've got uh, catalyst monitors, EVAP monitors. The computer monitors all the emission systems on the vehicle, and it has to be driven enough to get those monitors to complete. So if you clear the codes, you're going to go down and it's going to say systems checks incomplete. Okay? It'll fail. Now, in 96 to 2000, you can have all monitors ran and passed except for two and still go through emissions. But 2000 and newer, you have to have all monitors ran and passed except for one. So good luck with that, you know. It's not a good idea just to go in and clear those codes out because when you do that, just last week I had a gentleman come in and he's saying I had this catalyst code and the EVAP code and yada, yada, all these codes. And he says, I cleared them out. I says, well, is your check engine light on now? He says, no. Okay. So you have an intermittent problem. How do you expect me to fix it? You just cleared all the codes out, and along with it, you cleared all the history. Because the computer, when it sets that code, it'll set a a history file, kind of like a file in your documents on your computer. And it'll just put that little file right in there, and all the data parameters and everything that happened when it set that code will be there. And I can go in and I can look at it. And that'll aid in my diagnostics on the vehicle if you have an intermittent problem. I'll at least have some path to go to try and get a solution for the problem. But when you clear it, I'm going in there blindfolded. And unless that vehicle has the problem while it's here, I I can't fix it. And I really... You know, I can't be out driving your vehicle for days and days and days if you have an intermittent problem. I just I can't do it. It's not productive. So don't 
clear the codes. If you have codes in your vehicle, don't clear them. If your check engine light's on steady, you can go at your convenience to your favorite repair facility. But if your check engine light starts flashing at you, you've got problems. Most likely a misfire. And it's flashing and flashing at you like a little strobe light. When that happens, it's time to get in and get the thing fixed now. Because if you continue to drive it, like if you took off to Phoenix with a misfire and your check engine light is flashing at you, more likely than not, by the time you get to Phoenix, you'll have done catalytic converter damage. Because if you have a misfire, it can be an overfueling condition. If it is, uh, you know, no spark, still got gas, you're throwing gas into the combustion chamber, well, it's not getting burnt up. Where's it going to go? Well, the motor's going to do what it's supposed to do. It inhales, and it's going to spit it out right into the exhaust. And you got your catalytic converter down there that's running 350-plus degrees, and you're throwing gasoline on it. Imagine throwing gasoline on a fire. What happens? You get a whole oh boy. Do you know what I mean? So it's going to do damage to the catalytic converter. And for those of you that haven't bought a catalytic converter lately, well, I don't know any of them anymore. It's less than a thousand bucks, you know. So heads up, you know, check engine lights on steady, go at your convenience, flashing, get it in right away, get it fixed. So, quick question: What do you what do you do when when somebody's cleared the code? Say, like, I didn't know. I, I I screwed up. I didn't know what. I cleared the codes. What what do, what's your recommendation? What do you do? You just tell them to drive until the code light comes back on, or or what's the what do you what do you what do you advise somebody to? do? Well, depending upon how it's running, you know. I mean, if you have a, a if you have a problem that's present immediately after you clear the codes, the code will probably come right back, okay? But if you have intermittent problems, I have to duplicate the problem. The car has to fail in before I can start my diagnostics. Otherwise, like I said, you're you're going into it blindfolded, and you won't have any, you know, road to where the repair is going to be. So, yeah. Speaking of emissions, <laughs> crazy. Took my 93 GMC through emissions yesterday. Now, this thing has no particulate filter on it, no EGR, exhaust gas recirculation, no nothing. It's a diesel motor with a turbo and a muffler. It blew out the tailpipe an opacity reading, meaning the smoke, of one. The standard is 30. How? Well, sure, it passed. How, but how much cleaner do you want this thing to run? It, that just, it, it amazes me. Same with my 2004. It blows almost a zero opacity rating with a standard of 30. 
Now, it has an EGR valve on it. It has a catalytic converter on it. But it doesn't have all this other stuff that these new diesels have. It's just crazy. I mean, these new diesels with the particulate filters and everything else on it, a giant catalytic converter, and it's got four temperature sensors in it. Um, it it's just a huge expense on these newer vehicles with the particulate filters and everything else on it. When those things go down, hang on to your billfold because it's going to get expensive. You've got the same particulate filters on your big trucks, too, don't you, Jim? Well, some of them. Some do, some don't. But when I, I can tell you when you start dealing with DEF, diesel emission fluid, or the 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 terminology urea um, it is highly highly corrosive folks you can dump it on concrete and it will it will it will start eating the concrete away so, so if you're using it make sure you wash your hands or wear gloves for sure but um, there's there's all kinds of of problems that exist with with uh, diesel emissions fluid since it's so caustic and now we've been using it. It's been online for the last ten years. Since thirteen, they've been running it consistently. Maybe a few a little bit before then. And and systems have changed. There's I've seen older Dodges with these big computers that. And you know what happens is they got these big computer modules. It looks like a you know a big computer with all the hoses running into it. And you run the death through it, and what happens? Well, the death eats the inside of the module out, and then it leaks into the into the computer wires. And then now your computer wires are messed up, and it throws a code. And Dodge has got this really, really good idea. So when your system fails, it pops up this little warning, and it says, Hi, you have 300 miles, and then your vehicle will stop. Please see your dealer. It doesn't say get it fixed. It says, please see your dealer. And then it counts it down. Hi, you have 50. And when you get to zero, it stops. It just ro it, it rolls over and stops. And you will not, it goes to, um, you have no throttle, which, you know, is the yep, greatest. Reduced thing. engine so, power. <laughs> reduced engine power. And, and because the way the, the injectors are for the, for the emissions and the knock sensors and the pressure sensors that test the forward pressure of the of the DPF in relation to the back pressure and then the knock sensor that's a forward knock sensor and the rear knock sensor um, you start putting all those together and I'm going to tell you something there is a you want to talk about some diagnostic work there is and here's the problem you so you run across the guy that's just learning how to do this it's it's the best thing on the planet because it's like going to a doctor that just that doesn't know what to do. You get to pay him to tr to learn on your vehicle. And there is nothing more fun than paying a mechanic how to learn how to do his job on your car because it's going to be expensive, and he's going to keep billing you. So when it comes to well, – this is why I say, you know, know who you're going to because if they've never done it, um, the I, ideally it should be, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. Here's the guy to go see. Here, here's these guys are experts in this area. Go see them. Kind of like a specialist. But I've seen heaters go out. I've seen fuel pumps, death pumps, injectors, and every the the end result is the vehicle 
quits running. We told, for my industry, death is fantastic. Brand new vehicles, <laughs> brand new vehicles, and they call it a D-rate. You know, it reduced the engine power, D-rated, and they won't go anywhere. We tow a lot of vehicles because of D-rate conditions. I think it's wrong, but I still have to tow them. There's nothing, there's, you, can't, you cannot drive them. You, I know you think you can limp it in. No, ain't happening. <laughs> You're not getting out of your driveway. And it's, it's the craziest nope. thing. I, it seems, you know, and it seems. Well, bring them Good on. Good deal. Good morning. Morning. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, I um, had a question. You were earlier talking about spare tires. Um, I have a 25-year-old van um, in which uh, I needed to change my spare. It was worn out. It's underneath. And um, the uh, young man that um, changed it, I was watching him. He had a bit of a problem uh, putting it back up, the new tire. And um, I had... I spoke to uh, uh, somebody had uh, one of the young men that filled my uh, tire tire uh, filled up the the tires mentioned that um, sometimes the um, either a chain or a cable that, that, that that's on there is needs the lubrication and um, I had spoken went back and spoke to the young man that actually put the tire on and was able to speak to him. And he said, um, no, he said uh, it, it had to do with the, um, the, um, the, the wrench. It wasn't, uh, had a little bit of a problem. But getting back to the question of um, uh, lubricating, um, I was told perhaps uh, either put WD-40 or white lithium on, on that. Um, and I'm not really sure if it's a chain or a cable. That um, that is that, that's used in those vehicles. I didn't really look. Um, do you have any suggestion about um, uh, lubricating that? Yeah, I mean, if it's 25 years old, I mean, think about how much dust and dirt and everything else has you know worked its way up in there. You know, if they're cranking that thing all the way down, it'd be a good idea to shoot some WD-40 up into the actual uh, gearing part of it up in the top not necessarily the tr- the cable but what's up in the top oh i see and uh work it back and forth and then you'll have you know better luck getting that tire to go back up in there okay so it uh, because i was a little concerned about wd uh, with, with you know grit but uh, uh versus lithium but what you're saying is it's it doesn't matter. The WD would be in an area where it wouldn't collect dust. Not as much as the white lithium. I mean, the oh, white oh, lithium is going to collect more. Huh? I see. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The WD forty is going to kind of wash it out, you know. Okay. And then it'll leave the protectant behind, and okay. it won't be susceptible to rust. Yeah. Okay. Uh, could I? Uh, ask a question for Jim. Sure. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Jim. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I uh, have a, uh, a USAA coverage on my towing. 
for this for my vehicles. And um, I was wondering if um, you cover um, uh, there's a third party that they connect with. Um, if um, locally, if I should choose you as a as a as a towing uh, party, whether you contract, um, uh, do you contract with uh, USAA? So, so USAA uses exactly which is they have a third party call center that you call to, and right. and and I apologize, sir. It's usually a long wait. Um, it is. And then what? I've, I've, I've had that experience. <laughs> right, and that's I, and sir, I get your your concern multiple times a day. Um, so what happens is is you're on hold waiting for somebody, and while you're on hold, what the what the uh, agent is doing is searching for a tow provider so they have a long list of people and they go and they it's non-discriminate they don't really care who they choose they just choose somebody and they go down the list um so you can't really choose a provider a preferred provider through the through the third-party call center i i believe that the people that usa uses is a place called the jero and what happens is they they don't really take your your concern in the the back way to do it is you would have and I know this sounds crazy you actually have to pay for the tow whether it's me or anybody else and then you have to submit a claim to them now yeah. it, do, do you have a do you have a local agent sir no no USA has uh, no, uh, no. Um, they don't have that 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 format. Okay, I, I I thought that was the case. So before you, what I would recommend is before you before you initiate that payment process, because insurance companies are really particular on what they cover. So they'll tell you, yes, sir, you're absolutely covered until they, it comes time to pay, and then sometimes there's some caveat that they have that they that doesn't get covered. Yeah. So what you do is. Call USAA, not the roadside, but call USA your policy and say, "Hey, um, I, I'm in an area where there's no cell service, and I found a local provider. How do you? If I pay them, how do I get reimbursed? And then you'll know the procedure of what to do when you actually want to get your vehicle towed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, they told and whether, me, whether I, spoke, I spoke to someone yesterday, and, and, and the woman said that if, for instance, your company uh, contracts with uh, USA, but you're saying that that's, uh, that's a different, uh, that's really not uh, what's happening. Is that correct? But correct, yeah. When, when you call USAA roadside, they just call their, their call yeah. center. Yeah. And the call center doesn't really take the time to try and find a specific provider to you because they've got – so, for example, um, the call center that I believe that you, handles USA ha handles about 150,000 calls a month. Yeah. So they don't, they don't really take a lot of time to, to find the, the request a provider. They just take the time to find a provider. Yeah. So – and and I apologize for that, sir. That's just kind of the way they do it. You know, it's it's you know it's kind of like when you you get your insurance and they say, oh, we want you to take your vehicle to X Y Z shop because that's our guy. 
Yeah. And and when what they don't tell you is that you can take it anywhere you want, but no, no, use this guy because this is our guy, and they kind of steer you in that down that that road of this is the these are the people that we want you to use. The call center doesn't really do that. They just look at a list of people and just pick one and say, "There's the guy that we think is close," or "There's the guy that you know that's the guy who's at the top of the rotation." They just they just pick somebody. So they don't really. And and they don't call from Arizona. They call from wherever. Could be anywhere in the country, or could be in the Philippines. So they don't know. They don't know who I am. They just pick somebody. Oh, you're on the list, and they pick you. And the likelihood of getting picked is pretty low. Like I said, we do them. It just just depends on how you do it. And I just I'm know that they don't that the call center will not does not go out of its way to find a specific provider. They don't have time. In their defense, they don't really have a lot of time to do that, and they don't know. They don't want to look like they're playing favorites, so they just hit the button and go. Yeah. Uh, sorry, a tow truck will be on its way in 45 minutes. Thanks. Bye. Click. Yeah. I had a follow-up, Jim. Uh, do you uh, cover uh, uh, what area? Do you like uh, 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 the White Mountains? If I was up in the White Mountains, you don't go that far, do you? I'll go to the White Mountains. I've been there a bunch of times. Really? <laughs> yeah, we go everywhere. Oh. Uh, I've, I've, we tow we tow out of the White Mountains, Lakeside, Alpine, Nutrioso, Luna. I've I've towed out of that. Now, be aware that it's you know coming back to Tucson, it's it's, a, it's pricey, and your insurance probably won't cover all, the entire bill. Just so you know, because they yeah. they want to go back to the closest repair facility. Yeah, they, they only might cover, cover some. fifty miles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, fifty miles into into Lake into Pine Top or is is two hundred and what ten two hundred and twenty. Yeah. So, well, wouldn't that be if uh, if I'm out at Big Lake and um, I get broken down, they would tow me to the nearest uh, uh, you or someone would tow me to the nearest. Uh, uh, Repair center, correct? Right. Yeah, there's a little guy right there. If you're a big lake, there's a little guy right there in Alpine. A little, there's a little tow truck with a and a shop right there, right there in Alpine, right down from the Bear Wallow Cafe. Oh. And um, there's a little guy down there that does repair work, and that's probably about as far as they get you. You might get into Springerville. They might get you to Springerville, you know, because there are there is there's more shops in Springerville. So that's about what thirty miles, thirty five yeah. miles. Yeah. So. Yeah, so if you if you want to go that distance, if they get you to Springerville or, um, yeah. uh, out, you know, they probably wouldn't make it to if if it's a dealership, they might get you to Sholo, yeah. which is what seventy sixty miles, I think. Uh huh. Okay, so you yeah, Patagonia, you to, same thing. You cover that area, okay? No, yeah, yeah, Patagonia, <laughs> Patagonia down that way. Of I, I we towed one. I did one for. The border patrol guys—they almost rolled one off the cliff out there, um, out the south of Patagonia, going up to the. There's a radio tower out there. They go up to. We go out down that way. Patagonia Lake. Been to a bunch of times. There's a gold mine out there, just off to the side. We go out to bring, deliver equipment to. Nogales, yeah. And if you want to go to Elgin or Sonoida, if you're going down wine tasting in Elgin. You know, we we go to we go down there. I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as you want to go, as far as as far as it needs you. You, need, if, you know, I've I've told people we tow people all over. I uh, a guy that I used to work with, uh, by uh, he was a, uh, a a person I bought supplies from. He he sold um, invoices and envelopes, 
and his people, his um, sister-in-law broke down in, um, it was Deming, which is New Mexico. I mean, we'll go out there and get them. Yeah. We don't care. So. Can I have one follow-up with Brian on that on that tire? Sure. Um, what happens, Brian, if if uh, if that something should break there and they can't you can't get that tire down? How, how do you get it down? With great difficulty, <laughs> you know. If you can, you can reach up in there and cut the cable or the little chain. But then you're going to go buy a new uh, spare tire uh, yeah. assembly. And you would never, which we've done many uh, times. You know, I've had where it was so froze up you couldn't get the tire down, and you end up cutting it out. Cutting it out, okay. Well, thanks for your help. Appreciate it, both of you. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, thanks for, for call. calling. Thank you. Right. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. Give us a call. You know, Brad. That was a great. That was a great call. Um, I, you know, we we never talk about that. How do you get the spare tire down? I have been to hundreds that won't come down because they've never been serviced. And that little cable on a Ford or a Chevy, the little chain, it gets it. You know, over 20 years, there's so much dirt and debris and gunk in there, and you're trying to put the jack handle through the bumper to get that thing down, and it and it ain't happening. It just is not happening. You can't get that thing broke free. That is, you know, I had, we haven't talked about that ever. I don't think Jerry and I have ever, I don't know, you and Jerry have discussed it in the past, but, you know, that is something that, and, it's, it's, and you're on the side of the road trying to get that down, fight that, you fight that tire to get it down. That is crazy. You know, what would be good preventative maintenance for something like that? Well, maybe, you know, annually have your favorite repair facility, lower the spare tire, lubricate the gearing mechanism up in it, and put it back. And another thing about that spare tire is you want to have some air in it, right? <laughs> yeah. Make sure that your repair facilities are checking the air pressure in the spare. There's nothing worse than having a flat tire on the side of the road, going and getting your spare out, you put it on, you lower the vehicle, it goes all the way to the rim. It's flat. That's a problem. That is a huge problem. That is a huge problem. But, yeah, that, and it usually occurs on, the, on that, the one that you crank down. It's usually under a pickup truck because that's where they stick the tires, under the back. You know, some of the cars got them in the front. Of course, you know, if, if, it, if it's just got the fix the flat and the, and the air pump, you're not. You don't have to worry about cranking it down because there's nothing to crank down. It's a. It's a. You're calling for a truck or so. Um, Jerry always likes to say, "Get a new spare. Get a carry a spare tire with you when you have got that fix the flat and, and the air pump because that air pump. Well, air up a tire as long as it doesn't really have a hole in it. So I, I always find that is interesting. But that uh, that that underneath the back of the pickup truck because you know pickup trucks. Don't just stay on the highway. They get out in the dirt, and we're hauling stuff with them. And boy, that that when that thing is locked up in there, you, you can you can fight it till you're blue in the face, and it and it doesn't come down. So, yes, I've seen it many times, many times. You know, 
Again, you can call in at 719-1490. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist, Mr. Test First, Don't Guess, and Jim from Frontier Towing. We're your host today. Probably should do you know, we were talking uh, about diagnostics and, the, and all the problems that you can have with some of these diesels. You know, here's a, for instance, on a 2019 Silverado. This thing had, what, 116,000 miles on it. This particular problem wasn't for the weak at heart. I mean, this was a challenge. This thing had codes like you wouldn't believe. Engine under boost codes, fuel level sensor performance codes, fuel rail pressure sensor performance during deceleration, fuel cutoff. Um, it was in limp-in mode. It had a code for the particulate matter sensor shunt circuit high. It had another code for DPF low efficiency, another code for DPF high temp, another code for DPF soot accumulation, another code for EGT sensor number five circuit high voltage, another code for part filter matter sensor circuit high voltage, another code for, uh, it just was en endless, endless. Um, so where do you even start, you know? Now we go to get into the scan data. I want to see what's really going on. What are the numbers of these different things? You know, what are the temperature sensors doing? What is, what's going on? Scan data parameters were all out of specs. The one code will set when ECM, the engine control module, detects that the particulate filter has degraded beyond a calibrated threshold, thus meaning it was cracked or broken. Okay, exhaust soot test failed at the tailpipe. Which, what is an exhaust soot test? I tell you what it is. You get a piece of cheesecloth, you wrap it around the end of the tailpipe, secure it, and get into the vehicle and do a brief wide-open throttle, okay? You go back to that piece of cheesecloth, and if, there, if that thing is gray or any other color than white, you've got a problem with the particulate filter, and it needs to be replaced. Thus was the case with this vehicle, which I thought it was pretty amazing. You know, when those things are working, they're not putting out any smoke whatsoever when they're working correctly. But when they're not working correctly, huge problem. Can't hardly drive the vehicle because it's in reduced engine power on top of it. So, you know, likely you could be riding on a tow truck to get this thing back to your shop. So, like I said, test first, don't guess. And these are some of the things that we face here. At automotive specialist, you know, when I get a vehicle in here, generally they're pretty messed up. And it takes knowledge and the proper equipment to even think about fixing them. This isn't something that a backyard technic mechanic could even think about fixing. It's just not. 
You couldn't, not without the proper equipment. And and when you're working on, and when you see that DPF that gets plugged up when the system quits working right, that DPF gets plugged up. Even on even on a light duty truck, you're talking twenty five hundred dollars for the part alone minimum for the DPF filter. And then and you gotta fix the, the preliminary problem, which is why did it get sooted up and plugged? And then you get to put that the DPF in, which is a pain on its own because it's a lot of work just to pull that exhaust off. Because it doesn't just come yep. apart. <laughs> it, it's all bolted together in, in a sequence that means you get to start at the beginning and pull it all pull it down one piece at a time. Oh, and by the way, you can't. it's not just like an exhaust pipe anymore. It's an exhaust pipe with 50 friggin' electrical wires on it and a bunch of tubes. The the, the <laughs> it's got a bunch of tubes for the for the pressure sensors. It's got a bunch of tubes to put the def in. So you got all these lines and stuff. Oh, and if you think you can just kink that def line and get and put it back in, uh, yeah, guess again, folks. Now you get to buy a new def line because you, it won't it will not flow any fluid. That that little line that is correct. Is Sometimes they don't even disconnect. You know. I mean, like this particular 2019 Silverado, you are correct. The DEF assembly was $2,549 just for that. Just for that. Just for that. And then by the time you replace the other things that were failing, you've got $3,700 worth of parts. Just parts. So, yeah, are your new, newer diesels expensive to fix when they get to this condition they are other times and, with go ahead jim uh and and you know what folks they can get to that condition even if you've done everything right it's just the way they are you can do putting perfect death in them d- doing the maintenance and they're still going to have 30, issues 30 seconds so, anyways, I think we're coming that to the is top correct. of the hour, Brian. We are. Boy, this hour flew by. So we'll be taking a break here shortly. We've got about 15 seconds left, I imagine. So hang on. We'll be back shortly. 